Hello, welcome to episode 47 of Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And uh, here we have, again, we're going to have the uh, second half of James's uh, amazing interview with the legendary Eric Chappell, brilliant Eric Chappell. And you actually, you went to his house, didn't you, James? I actually went to his house. Um, In, how where, is, where was he? He lives near Grantham. I right. shan't give out his postcode, if that's all right. Okay. But um, I got in contact with him... After there was a documentary last year on UK Gold, I think, maybe a three-part documentary about Rising Damp and the Banana Box, the play it's based on, and then I just looked him up online, found his website, and then I just sent him an email just to say, hello, I'm a fan, I do a sitcom geeks podcast, would you mind being interviewed? And we chewed and throwed a bit, but ultimately it was yes, and I said... Um, once I worked out that he must be in his 80s, I thought, well, I should probably go to his house then, shouldn't I? And that's exactly perfectly, what I did. Perfectly reasonable solution. Yes. Yep. yes. And so uh, I was invited into his house. I didn't break in and hold him hostage. <laughs> and um, he gave this interview. He was What was rather interesting was he was rather um, puzzled that anyone would be interested in this level of detail <laughs> uh, on how to write sitcoms. But I did have to assure him that this isn't just a standard five live interview where it's... Mm. It's two and a half minutes of, so how do you come up with the show and don't you think it's a bit racist? And where do you get your ideas from? And <laughs> where do you get your ideas from? So, um, if so you yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if you haven't listened yet, the first half, are you taught, which uh, is mostly about uh, Rising Damp and how, really how Eric got started, and uh, it's a really fascinating uh, interview. So do, do listen back to that episode as well. But you can listen to this one now, and it's not like you're going to miss... Uh, the, it, it'll still make sense. It'll still worry. make sense, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't change but, the ending. Yeah, you know. that's right. But before we get there, what is what is our latest news? Our latest news is that we are, well, in fact, the Writers Guild of Great Britain are holding a very special event on Monday the 22nd of May at 7pm at the Museum of Comedy, which is in uh, Bloomsbury in London. It's a fantastic place. They've got all sorts of there. They've got things like, I think they've got the, the, the original grandfather clock that was used in Steptoe and Son is, is there. Um, and Del Boy's And you will, you'll be able to see all this yeah. memorabilia if you actually come to the show, is that right? You get in free to the museum and you come to see this show, uh, which is basically Marks and Graham talking about uh, the state of sitcom. In fact, the show is called, uh, the the panel is called Situation Critical, Who Can Save the Sitcom? So it's going to be a very interesting debate. In fact, James is going to be hosting it. Oh dear. We're hoping there may be other guests as well. No pressure, James. But um, the Writers Guild uh, have chosen you to host this. Yeah. Uh, so it should be great and uh, more details we'll put the details on our Facebook page you can find out all about it on our Facebook page or go to the Museum of Comedy and go to their events page and you can book there as well Monday the 22nd of May at 7pm let's go without further ado to part two of James interviewing Eric Chappell Briefly, um, so your process uh, in terms of writing, you know, you've written over 200 yeah. episodes of broadcast uh, comedy. Um, presumably you sort of, uh, are you a planner or are you a, are you a do, you, do you write and rewrite and rewrite on your own? And then... I, No, I think uh, it's hard to say. I don't think you have a set plan that's a rigid thing. Mm. You, you think, yeah, that, that'll work up to this point. Uh, and then, then we, something's got to happen. Someone's got to come and do something, yeah. or we've got to 
develop the story mm. in some way. You have to develop the story. Mm. And the second development, I, I said, I, I don't consciously say seven pages, seven pages. Yeah. That's how it worked I out. To yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to about 28 pages because it was ITV. Yeah. And uh, even now, I'd be hard pressed to say, I mean, I'd have to take a script and go through you with, yeah. with yeah. You, you know, to yeah. say. Uh, but you, when, when you uh... I mean, I, somebody rang me up the other day and wanted, emailed me the other day and wanted to tell me about a situation come, arise, only when I laugh. Because hmm. he'd, he'd had a friend who had been in it and he, there was some line he wanted to refer to. And I thought, yeah, it was the one where there was a prisoner came in. So oh, yes. first of all, the prisoner comes in. Who played the prisoner? And he's handcuffed to someone. We don't see that straight oh, okay. away. So it's chat, chat, the discovery of the prisoner. And everybody meeting him, that's the first seven pages. Yeah. And then the misunderstanding and the guy wants to get out. Yeah. So that's the second seven pages where he's leaning on Peter Bowles to get him out and, yeah. and all the other people and the ramifications mm-hmm. of that. And, and Rigsby... I'm sorry. Um, uh, figures. Figures helping him. Yeah. Because natural Great affinity. Great name, Figures. Yeah. Yes, I love that name. <laughs> and then the second half is the physical action of getting yeah. out yeah. and creating out the window and all this business. Yeah, yeah. And then the payoff at the end when they're covering for him. So, yeah. you know. The pace of it. That's it? the development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, And all over various seven pages. So, so about that particular episode then, at what point... Maybe a month or two earlier, had you had an idea of, oh, let's imagine that there's a prisoner uh, patient. Yeah, I think I saw it not as, as a, I think I've seen it once or twice, but I think it was at a railway station. I saw a guy handcuffed to another guy. Right. I'd never seen that before. Right. It's the same thing you see in movies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, he's, he's a prisoner. Yeah. And I thought, then I thought, well, that would be interesting. And then, then somebody said, oh, the guy came. Yeah. For an operation, he was, he's from the prison. Yeah. So it happens, and I yeah. thought that's a good idea. Yeah. And it's a good idea to pursue it, you know. And so, did you did you roughly plan out those story beats before you started typing Act One, Scene One, as it were? I, I think that you don't put it off too long. Yeah. I think you can sit planning it forever. And that, you yeah. know, it's like studying. You 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 lay out your study before you actually do it. You yeah, know, you might yeah. fail. Yeah. You've got to get into it. And so I have a rough idea, but I wouldn't say I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But it that's how it came. Okay. And I'd see I'd take my dad for a pint on Sunday mornings and I was he used to worry to death because he could think Eric's doing this work yeah. and he might never get you know survive. Yeah. And I'd always be able to say, I've cracked it. Yeah. I've cracked it. That was my famous line. Yeah. He said, how is things going? I've cracked it. Yeah. And that's when I knew that the plot would work all the way through yeah. and pay you, off at the you end. You just know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, there is that tipping point, isn't there? Yeah, in there is. Script where you, you can relax then. Yeah. All you've got to do is be fun. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but then again, that's that's the bit where you have to kind of trust your, your instincts um, and trust also the actors that you've that have been cast. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, going back to the actors, to what extent were you involved in casting all the way through. Your... I think when you're a comedy writer, in my day anyway, mm. uh, that's, that's, you're more important because you know what works. Yeah. And the directors don't always know what works and not always sure. So they take your remarks about actors more on trust than if you were a straight drama. Right. I think they'd tell you what was what in drama, but comedy, they think, you think he's going to be able to do it? You know, yeah. you they believe you. Yeah. And so, yeah. I can't think there was anyone that came into the show I didn't recommend. 
Really? They wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and they rarely hired people that you just thought, oh, I don't know why they've... I guess with some day players or people with small parts that you didn't... Oh, yeah, I didn't do a lot of that. But generally speaking, I I, I made suggestions. And certainly the leads, Mm. I asked... I think there wasn't anybody I didn't ask for. Well, I didn't ask for Len because he did the play. And when they told me they'd got Len, I thought, wonderful. Yeah. You see, when you think I was on electricity board, somebody told me they're going to do this play in the West End. Mm. I couldn't believe it. I I didn't quite believe it. But they said they got Leonard Rossiter. I thought, well, at least we've got a great performer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms, of, so like for example, with Home to Roost, uh, you were, you know, you you actually getting John Thor was quite easy. Did you have John Thor in mind as you were developing that show, that idea? Or I, I think no, I don't think I don't think I thought of John ah, because mm. he didn't do much comedy. Yeah, I did one or two things, but generally speaking, it was fairly straight. Which is uh, part of the charm of the show, isn't it? Yeah, that's you, right. Yeah, and he was touring. He was touring in something and. And I didn't think he'd do it because he was tended to come a bit, a bit uh, national theatre sort of yeah. performer and mm. had been going into that area. And I thought, I don't think he'll fancy this. But it was a time when he hadn't got a lot of work on mm. and he thought, yeah, this is good for me. And we did four, I mean, four years. I mean, yeah. I know we only did seven shows a year, but I think it probably took three or four years to do. Yeah. And we got a good lad with Reese Dinsdale. Yes, yeah, so where did you get him from? He was working with one. Of, I don't know who he was. I mean, I, obviously, I didn't recommend him because I didn't know him. Right. But I, when I saw him, I thought it, there weren't many good young actors. About not like Hollywood, where they got mm. lots of young actors. He was a bit older than the part he played, but um, he was good. And uh, you know, he, I can't think when I think about it. Uh, he came recommended and saw him and. He was the only one that was there for it, yeah. you know, that was good enough. Yeah, yeah. Because he had a lot of pressure. Yeah. Because he, he lived up in near Leeds. His family came to see him every Friday. And, oh, really? Yeah. God, that makes it even worse, doesn't it, as well? <laughs> yeah, so don't come for moral support. Because yeah, uh, that's actually... It makes it even worse. Because I used him in Haggard as well. But yes. I did know him. Yes. Um, going back to ITV, it's interesting to me that all of your work was for ITV. Yeah. Was, was it all BBC didn't love me. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be interested to know about that because you, you didn't do a single BBC show, but also you never did any radio either. I did um, one or two radio plays okay. early, early on, but nothing much. Um, did that not appeal to you, radio? Uh, well, it was a progression. Mm-hmm. I did, uh, you, you sold your stuff where you could, yeah. and there was more of a market for the radio yeah. in those days. I think I did about three or four plays. I can't think. Yeah. And um, John Tideman. Was a producer then, mm. big name there, and he did one or two of my plays, and they were all pilots for what followed afterwards. You know, yeah. not as good, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but but you say the BBC for some reason they didn't. No, I don't TV. know why. I think once you go to ITV, they don't like you anymore. Uh, I sent stuff to BBC. Well, my agent did, and uh, he swears this was said. <laughs> that the script that I'd sent them was too funny for their purposes. <laughs> Can you believe that line? I can't believe that line. I, and that's yeah. what he said to me. He yeah. said, you will not believe this, he said. They've just said, because it's too funny for what the, the situation... I don't know what we submitted it for, right. but it was too funny. Yeah. Now, that doesn't sound... sounds sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's what he said. Anyway, they, I did a play with them, and it was very badly directed and very badly done. 
and it was a load of tripe anyway. <laughs> uh, and it was in a series uh, in the, about 73. Okay. And it, it was by a very good producer, but it was um, didn't work. Yeah. And uh, I'm slightly ashamed of it. So that, but I was, I did do that for BBC. Yeah. But that was very early on, wasn't very it? Very early on, yeah. But, I wasn't uh, known then. But, never, but you never went back. Um, I don't think they wanted me. <laughs> I mean, would you, because uh, um, for, for a 20-year period, uh, you were incredibly busy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at the, you know, in about, 90, in about 1991, when you were doing Haggard, finishing Home to Roost, uh, singles, yeah. which is a, a show that I have not. Uh, no, we won't. Across. <laughs> it doesn't um, get repeated. Well, but at the time I don't because I watched everything when I was younger. Yeah. But it may have yeah. been because I I was at a boarding school for a little while, so that may have taken me out of evenings there. Um, and also Fiddler's Three. Yeah. Um, so which was, was a, which was a real remake of Squirrels. Oh, it was a remake right. of Squirrels. In fact, some of the shows were exactly the same, almost the same. Did, was that known at the time, or was that only union? Yeah, guys? I think we had to pay something for it. I mean, they knew. I mean, well, the Squirrels was your show, so you had to pay. You, <laughs> they had to pay you. ATV, <laughs> right? Produced Squirrels, and so when Yorkshire did it, right. as uh, Fiddlers Three, yeah, yeah, I think there had to be some quid pro quo. I'm yeah. not quite sure. I wasn't involved. That's a, that's really interesting because I. Because I, I watched some Fiddlers three last night, and it really did feel early nineties. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I know why it was because they weren't using computers much. Well, partly that, but partly just the way they. But there was a, there was definitely a difference in tone when when I when I watched some Squirrels that felt like a a sitcom from the nineteen seventies. Yeah, but not just but not comedically necessarily. No. but just in terms of the way work looked. And the way people related to each other, yeah. and a whole whole series of different things. Um, it was, and, and I've often thought that you could document British social history over the last ten years through situation it, it, comedy, yes, folk history. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Whatever you like to call it. Yeah, there's a from the seventies well, when I started seventies through to the to the turn mm. to the twenty. To, to 2000, yeah. there's a history there, yeah. you know, if you analyse sitcom, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since the, um, so, and so since the sort of the, the early 90s, um, when, so at the end of a very, very busy period, was there, was there a period where you just thought, you know, because by that stage, you, 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 my wife said, you're doing too much. Yeah. You're doing too much sitcom. You're doing too much of it all. And I said, one day they won't want it. Right. And I was right. Uh, that, that my, I finished, 93, 94. I did a series that nobody wanted, and I was a bit surprised. You know, it was called, what did I call it? Double Vision. Okay. And it never got made. And I wrote what was it, the what pilot, was and I wrote one or two more, and I submitted it. Funnily enough, Vernon Lawrence, who had been doing all my stuff at Yorkshire, was then head of ITV right. commissioning. That's interesting. And didn't want it. So uh, he that probably, must have been very he probably got off me as well. <laughs> Well, that must have been very awkward for him and for you in terms of... He didn't like it, fair enough. It's his choice, you know, and he, he turned it down and um, why so do you there think was no turned, favouritism. Why do you think he turned it down? He didn't like it. Right. He didn't like it. Uh, he didn't want to do it and he didn't like it. And a writer has to ask himself, yeah. is he good enough? You yeah. Know? Um, Looking back now, because that's a while ago now, do you think... Yeah, maybe it wasn't the best or wasn't the best thing I've done. Or do you I wrote think... it as a play and did it on stage and just once or twice. Mm. It's, in fact, it's printed. I mean, it's with Frenchies. Okay. 
but then I've got I've got twenty three plays published. Yeah. So I'm now accused of churning out plays, <laughs> having been accused of churning out sitcoms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my plays now are what I do, and you were saying how do you get them on? Well, people publish them. Mm. Amateurs love them. Yeah. And now and again, the pros do them. I mean, I've got a play being done in Budapest coming up, yeah. translated, of course. I've got plays running in Poland, Warsaw. The mid-Europeans love me. Really? <laughs> it's the people here that like... <laughs> That's extraordinary. I mean, you, because you have, but you, there have been revivals of plays and all those sorts of things as, as yeah. well that you've done. Um, and in, in a way, do you feel, though, that, that, that when you sat in the bar thinking, I'll write a play, that hand on heart, you are a playwright... And that you had a good twenty-year yeah. run. My my writing life split to two sections: mm. twenty years sitcom, yeah. twenty years stage, yeah. with one or two overlaps. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I've worked, and that's what I always wanted to do. So I'm a happy man. Yeah. It's just uh, like everything else. It's it's not easy these days. Plays these days are generally musicals or celebrity based or something. Uh, it's, sometimes it's like a karaoke. Mm. I mean, people are up in the audience singing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, writers like you and I don't want that. Not really, What no. good is it to no. us, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And that's happening more and more. Turn it into a musical. Turn what into a musical, you know? Yeah. I mean, I could... I began to toy with the idea of turning it into musicals. Jukebox musicals, you're putting yeah. on songs, and I think, why? We're getting back to times in the... The Victorian times, when they used to have dances, jigs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, comic performances and and I, and I wonder if that is, it is a bit of a feedback loop because although um, there aren't lots of uh, writers who've come from plays into situation comedy although I note um, people like Esmond and Larby they wrote a couple of plays as well and one of them yeah, became yeah, he, uh, the yeah, he, well, Months of Sundays he wrote okay and, and yes they were they, one of them I think yeah. one of them um, but it's um but I wonder if we, we struggle to find that um, that mainstream studio sitcom because we have lost that rep theatre um, sort of angle. I think um, we've lost the, the, the gift for turning lines, like mm. the comedic writing. When I started, when I was writing for... There was about 10 people in the country could do it, or 12. Mm. Writers, who you thought, yeah, he's good. He can do it. Yeah. And the rest couldn't. So you're working in a very distinguished company mm. and obviously much in demand. The demand went, then the skills began to evaporate. And I wonder now whether people are trying to write that sort of... I mean, things are much praised now that aren't that good. Mm. Uh, I, as I say, Jack D um, and Lee Mack, they're the people who could do it. Mm. But there aren't many. And years ago, they would have been top. They'd yeah. been in the first three or four shows. Yeah. Not now. Yeah. No, it's a, um Oh, and that other one, the the one about the young kids. The uh, family one. Outnumbered. That's well written. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, Andy Hamilton is a mm-hmm. knows a thing or two about about writing. Um are there um are there any shows though that you do look back on and you just think, you know, everyone everybody talks about rising damp still to this day and only when I laugh in particular. Are there, are there other shows out of all the ones that you did do where you just think, people just didn't go for that show like I thought they would? That's really surprising. Well, I mean, Home to Roost, which I loved, mm. which I, you know, I think was pretty damn good and be- beautifully acted and everything else, 
was in the top 20, but it was not as sensationally mm. good as it may have been. But maybe they like people to fall about a bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they did want comic performances like you get now with... Mm. Um, Miranda and people like know, that, yeah. I can't remember the names of these. Yeah. But there's one or two shows that are rather broad. Yeah. yeah and vulgar. Mrs. Brown is yeah. the other one, yes. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it was also pointed out to me that... Um, because all of your work is studio comedy. Oh yeah, um, which I which I again personally prefer. And with my my writing partner Richard, who I've written a number of things with, he pointed out to me that it's interesting now that the mainstream sitcoms um, for sort of for the eight thirty slot, it feels that that's a family show and therefore it should sort of be about a family. Yeah. And the idea of having a workplace sitcom. Um, as a mainstream sitcom, almost doesn't really exist now. It's sort of if you pitched it now, well, they're all at home, aren't they? On computers. Well, yeah. I mean, partly that. I mean, the, the the way that we have changed our work patterns is. Yeah. But the but New Statesman was a studio audience. No, that's show. Right. Yeah, it was good. Um, that was a good show. Um, and you had you know obviously only when I laugh is in the hospital, those sorts of things. Yeah. And there's now the expectation that if you did a show in a hospital, well, you'd obviously shoot that on location and it'd be a single camera show. Well, with my sick, that one, they all said, why are they still in hospital? Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? Yeah. But of course, we took a segment of life. I mean, yeah. we didn't care how long they're in. It was, yeah. it was our time, you know, yeah. not the, it was stage time, yeah. you know what I mean? And then, yes, they didn't seem terribly ill. You know, no, they, they, were very always, they were always well enough to have a good very old moment. Yeah, good old running about, yeah, 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 quite. No, that was a um, that was a delightful show. Yeah. In fact, um, I um, I wrote a sitcom. Uh, I've done quite a lot of writing for Radio Four, and one of the sitcoms I wrote was a show called Hut Thirty Three, which was set in Bletchley Park during World War Two. Oh yeah, and um, it was only after I'd sort of written the pilot episode or two that I realised that I'd essentially written only when I laugh <laughs> because you had a you, you had a glover and you had a figgis yeah um, and uh, you had someone stuck in between them trying to uh, keep the peace you know you, so you, had... you see with that show I, I was writing well then uh, it was the early days I had to keep five balls in, four balls in the air mm. and dealing with I mean Richard Wilson felt it should be a play about the doctor right uh, Chris Strawley felt it should be a play about a young man going, yeah. <laughs> finding himself in the hospital. Yeah. And the other two guys, because you could imagine. So I was conflicted, confronted with all these egos yeah. and all this uh, trying to write for everybody yeah. and always being accused of not writing for yeah. one of them. It was, I mean, Richard Wilson is, is the much forgotten member of that show in terms of he wasn't the the well-known actor that he No, he wasn't there. No, he wasn't there, no. Um, whereas it... With that show in particular, what was the what was the starting point for you on that? Had had you been had you been in, in and out of a hospital and just no? Thought, oh, I, I, well, I mean, I had moments in hospital, but mm-hmm. I hadn't been any length of time. I think it was mainly it, it's very claustrophobic. Yeah, the fear of death is always lurking, and I don't did the play as well, which was more right. true to life and death. And uh, so it was important that um, that everything, everything, all the ingredients were there, and they couldn't go anywhere. And then I needed an authority figure, mm. which was Richard, mm. and it all worked. The only thing was, people kept saying they should should be out by now. They wanted to do it in America. Taft wanted to do it, and they, I said, well. 
<laughs> it's a bit of a problem, isn't it, with them being because the, in a, in America they they're out as soon as they can because yeah. they've got to pay a fortune to get yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Now what we'd do is set it in a veterans' hospital." Ah. Uh-huh. And that's what they planned to do. And had they not gone bust ah. <laughs> or something, yeah. had they not disappeared, I would have had that done. They were keen to do it. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that would, yeah, well, that would give also just a, it would make it a, a new version which would then have its own a life of its own rather yeah, than just right. be a re. Uh, a they would probably be back from Vietnam or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. One would be the sweat, and you know, one would be. You yeah, know, posh, left yeah, so, yeah. you know, and all this sort of thing. It would work. Yeah. And, of course, the plots were good. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I wrote 28 of those shows, and the, the plots worked well. Yeah. yeah. The, the, oh, the other amazing thing about the show is the theme tune. Sorry? The theme tune. Um, yeah, it was slightly... I always slightly wanted it slightly different. Oh, yes. Because... Uh, it, uh, uh, James sing, Jimmy sang it softly. Yeah. But I wanted it like under the breath because ah. I'm going into the operation yeah, a bit yeah. nervous. Yeah. And that didn't quite come across because he sang it. And fair enough, that's the way that yeah. it was directed. But I wanted it lower key. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think... I think it felt like that anyway. Well, yeah, because just because everything on TV, especially then, was here yeah, it is. Yeah, they did tend bang. to be a bit loud. And then you know, here comes a new funny sitcom on ITV. Turn it on. MHAP. <laughs> you know, yeah. someone being weird. It probably around. works better for you than it did for me. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. I think it might have been too much to have had it. Too low. Even Well, I think it would have made you uncomfortable. Yeah, well, and like, I didn't mind that. And <laughs> well, I think you, you might have been therefore worried that you weren't going to have a good time. Yeah, quite. So I think it's all that. I too. think for me, in the end, I think that probably, it literally hit the right note. Yeah. But it, but it was a bit... So a friend of mine was in hospital recently. Oh, yeah. And the nurse came in singing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said, do you remember that? She said, do you remember that was from? She said, oh, yeah, that hospital series. <laughs> well, that's interesting, because, yeah, where, where art um, or life imitates art, because you must probably do still get a bit of feedback from that, you know, in terms of... Yeah. There's a whole generation of people who saw... Well, I think it was used in an Alan Bennett play long before, uh, and okay. I'm not sure. Right. About a retired couple that went to the seaside and he died or something. Uh. It sounded very much like Alan Bennett, but I didn't track it down. I just right. knew, you know. But no, it was a it was a it was such a lovely, um, a lovely show. There were people who hated it. Really, some critics never gave it a good review. Really, why? Do you I, I think it's, it strikes. You see, some people don't like hospital things, you know. And right. I think you've always got to remember that there's always going to be some people who don't like what you're doing for mm. a reason, a yeah. personal reason, and a reaction to yeah. it. You know. Do. You, I wonder if, I mean, we've done very well to get this far without talking about critics. <laughs> um, because I would imagine that, um, I don't know, I, I don't know whether TV criticism has uh, changed over the course of, of your television uh, work. It seems now that the critics are just literally, especially for mainstream sitcom, they are literally lying in wait, <laughs> ready to have multiple, you know, I've, I've had, have I mentioned on this podcast before, I've had A.A. A. Gill in the Sunday Times, give two oh. whole pages yeah, but the one to how much he hated my show. One joy of me is I didn't work for A.A. Gill. Yes. That, had he been writing reviews, I'd have dreaded them. Yes. And I enjoy reading his 
de- devastating yeah. views yes. of other people. Absolutely, that's just it, isn't it? Because you you sort of enjoy it, but just think, well, I might be next. Yeah, quite. Um, well, I wasn't there. For no, that. exactly. But yeah. even so, I would imagine it would be a very mixed a mixed bag in terms of. I think the danger with criticism, mm. TV criticism. Think about it. A, a theatre critic is used to record re- reviewing plays, so that's mm. what he does. That's what he knows about. Mm. Now, these people are reviewing gardening programmes, they're reviewing uh, travel programmes. Why? And they're review, reviewing plays. Now, you can't know everything. Yeah. You can't review everything, so, but they are. Yeah. They are qualified to review anything that's on the box, and mm. that's a weakness. Because yeah. then ultimately, if they're reviewing everything, the only real thing they can say is whether they liked it or not. Yeah, quite and a personal if, if I liked it, it was good, and if I didn't like it, it was yeah, bad. You go, well, yeah. that's, that's not how it works. No, quite. You can, you can so admire you've, so you've obviously suffered. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yes. don't look for reviews. Yes. Now and again, when I do have a play that's yeah. been reviewed, I always avoid reading yeah, the reviews yeah. because it affects you. Yeah. You can't pretend it No, exactly. They are, you know, you're... you're you spend hours and days yeah, and months and, then and you years on this. Yeah, feel you've been yeah. pulling the wool over Yeah, and the, like. it's also, it is, it is almost like over-dramatising it, giving birth to your own children. Yeah. And, and having a total stranger... Ridiculed. Yeah, and having a total stranger go, oh, that's very <laughs> lovely, their eyes are too close together. Yeah. You, feel, you know, you'd want to <laughs> yeah. punch them on the nose. That's right. You're um, absolutely right. But it's... Um, but so yeah. no, one sit, no one sits easily with mm. reviewers. I mean... Osborne said that they were like eunuchs in the harem. He said they he said they're like eunuchs in the harem. They they know how it's done. They see it done every day, but they can't do it themselves. That's interesting. That's a great expression. I'm not going to not come across that one. Um, the other thing is the the BBC in particular, obviously, famously have just revived, resuscitated old shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, do you find that? Um, interesting, pointless, annoying. I, mean, I was approached recently to redo Rising Damp. I right. get approached quite often yes. to do it. About every two to three years. About every two to three years, I yeah, imagine. They'll say, uh, yeah, could we bring it up to date and do this and do that? They don't want to pay me much, but they yeah. want to do it. And I say, no, I, I, that was great. I, I've always been disappointed about revivals yeah. and, and bringing things back. And I can't think of any that were particularly successful. Mm. So I always said, no. And uh, I don't need the money, so what the hell? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so yeah, I guess it's it's a real mix. You can sort of see the it becomes a spectacle, doesn't it? If you if you re- if you resurrect an old show, yeah. you think you're you're watching it, not submitting to it as a I'd like to have a nice time, but is this going to be as good? Yeah. Um, you know. I I mean, there's one or two of the I mean, one or two of the worst ideas are bringing back the old cast. Who yeah. look ninety five? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. even worse. Than, I, I, there's two ways of doing it: bringing the old cast back, or um, or bringing new people in and getting new writers. Yeah. And neither works. Because I, I think that they did. They've done an Inspector Moore. Something that's not a sitcom. Uh, yeah, the Endeavor. They went back. They've 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 done the prequels and then they've yeah. done the sequels and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But like with um, uh, Are You Being Served? They did a. They sort of set it in the nineties. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But with a different cast, and it was a slightly. It says there's a paucity of. I mean, if you're going to go back to those ideas, why not do a new one? I mean, there's. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, you're, yeah. you're the people that are doing it now. I mean, it's going to infuriate you when they start doing going back and resurrecting these. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it really does. It really does. Yeah. And, and all because you're you're not. And also these days, 
people like me aren't just competing with the new stuff that's on. We're repeat, we're, we're competing with the repeats on UK yeah, Gold quite. of really good shows. Yeah. Um, well, I so, get paid a little bit for them doing ITV3. Mm. It crops up every so often. They're doing right. They did Rising Dampo, and they, they the the deal now is they pay you for six showings. Yeah. Over a period of two years. Imagine right. that. Yeah. That means I mean, wall to wall, you know, going on forever. Yeah. Uh, I thought six, and that, and this is the Writers Guild agreed to it. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think it's criminal. Yeah. You know, we don't get paid that much, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's just wall to wall comedy. You know. Yeah, yeah. And wow, we got we've got this far, and we've really just started talking about money because that's what <laughs> somebody somebody said. I can't remember a writer said to me that aspiring writers talk about writing actual writers talk about money when I worked at electricity board I never once asked for a penny right. I, I, I was paid on a grade yeah. and that was it and I never I accepted that I never went into the office and said boss I'm not getting enough yeah. once I started writing I never stopped off yeah. <laughs> absolutely you've got and the first time I wanted a thousand for a script mm. you know, this is in the early 70s <sighs> Mm. Yeah, I think we could bring other writers in, Eric, you know. And all these threats were made, you know, like that. And I, mm, I said, sod off. Yeah. <laughs> quite right, quite right. Um, just to finish, we should probably draw this to a close, but um, it, it seems to me that we've talked a lot about, um, about your, you know, your process and your shows and, and how you started, but it feels like you've slightly figured out how to do all this all on your own. I did. I didn't speak to another writer when I was starting to write. I didn't know any writers. Mm. The first time I met a writer, or one or two writers, was... When they were I, ruining the squirrels. <laughs> well, no, didn't I didn't meet them. I, had a, I, I was going to say, Michael Codron was interested in doing the banana box. Mm. And they did a, a run of it, um, a rehearsal reading, yes. at the Hampstead mm. on a Sunday night. And I went there and I met... One or two actors and one or two writers. And I'd never done that before in my life. Mm. And I was never influenced by that. I never wrote to a writer and said, could you help me? Yeah. Like they do now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they do to me. I'm sure they do, yes. <laughs> and quite sensibly. But yeah. I never, I didn't know any. I was, I didn't even go to the theatre that much. Mm. Uh, I would now and again go, but not. A, mm. I was not a theatre goer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just found a way of writing. Mm. I was writing novels that no one wanted. And I wrote plays and they wanted them. Mm. Simple as that. Did any, well, was there any particular sort of advice that you did end up picking up? Maybe not from, but from a director or a, a producer? No, I, I, no one gave more. me advice. No one ever gave me advice. I, I advised myself and I, I realised one of two things, like six-week jokes don't make a good one. Right. And things like that. Yeah. I realised... And you learned that the hard way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I sometimes. mean, I didn't write the weak jokes. Right. <laughs> but I realised if you wrote weak jokes... Oh, I'm writing a comedy. Oh, it'll trip when it comes through the door and he'll do yeah, this yeah. and he'll do that. You know, no. No. Deal with a subject. Yeah, yeah. Deal with a character. Yeah. And the comedy will come. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've got a... I mean, I went, uh, did one or two le- le- courses uh, where I spoke to people on... Mm. Where was that? A Mar- was it Arvind Foundation? Oh, yes, that name means about, yeah. yeah. I, I did one or two courses there as a lecturer. And I realised a guy sitting there said, no, I'm not going to the pub, I'm writing. They're, they're, they've been too frivolous. And yeah. I thought, no, you can't learn it that way. Yeah. You can't learn it by sitting down and writing seriously about taking notes from yeah. 
writers. Yeah. It's got to be in you and it's got to be observational, you know. Yeah. Which is why it does help to have a little bit of experience in life and having done a proper job. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's no good sitting in a little room and writing. I, mean, so I, I was lucky. I was an auditor. I went all round the, 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 the Midlands, yeah. meeting people every day and looking at their books and mm. doing chats and generally to finding out about their attitudes and things. Mm. I met a lot of people, mm. a lot of people. Before then, I'd been a clerk in an office and never met anyone except the few around you. Yeah. They were very rewarding. Yeah. As you, as I, you said, did, mm. how did I base Rigsby? On a character I knew and loved dearly. Yeah, yeah. And I was with him for several years. So yeah. that was important to me. Yeah, yeah. He never knew that yes. and died before I made it, okay. you know, which is sad. I wished he'd, I wished he'd seen him. <laughs> but he didn't. And, um, well, you, might, you never quite know. You might have taken it the wrong way. What do you mean? He did know yeah. I'd have loved it. Yeah. Because he was Liverpoolian. Right, okay. And the, Len was, he'd have loved it. Yeah. He'd have, loved, he'd have been on Len's side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he would say, I don't know why everyone's finding this <laughs> so funny. Yes. He, would, he would have seen Len as a bigot. <laughs> yes, yeah, so sorry. He would have said, that's a man who could. I, I'd vote for him. Yeah, he's a good bloke. <laughs> yes, that's right. But yeah, I, I think that's interesting what you say about. Not only meeting people, but liking people. Oh yeah. Because I think writing characters that you that you like and that you understand their perspective. James, you have to be vulnerable. Mm. To write good comedy, you have to be vulnerable. If you don't feel pain, you can't write good comedy. Because you know there are brash people who write comedy, and they're brash, and there's no feeling, no warmth. You've got to feel for the people that are injured, and um, I mean they often say. If it's funny, keep it in. I can't quite take that view, you know, but I mean, I know what they mean. Yeah. And uh, there are, there's pain inflicted sometimes in your work mm. that you don't want to do, but you've got to do for the story. But yeah. um, I know I wrote um, Natural Causes, which is a funny play about suicide. Mm. And a friend of mine said, I'm coming to see your play because I've just lost a dear friend who's killed him. I said, don't go. Right. I said, don't go because it's about suicide. Oh, God, he said, I can't face that. I said, no, it's funny, but you've got to, you have to be too close to the subject. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can't be too close. Yes, that's right. See it, see it in a year or two. It's that one there, the George Cole one. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He was a, what a, uh, you never worked on television with George Cole. He must yeah, have been... I did, he did the play on television, did that right. play, Natural Causes, on television. But oh, he... of course I did. I did, um, <laughs> what am I talking about? The Bounder with him and George and um, Peter Bowles. Peter Bowles. Oh, was he in that? Sorry, I hadn't. He was. Yes. He was second lead. Oh. He, he he took it very. I said, I remember we met him and I said I was with the director and George came in to talk about the play. I said in the ideal world, the part I think it was Kevin's name. I forgot the name. Mm. Then, would have been George Cole in the ideal world. Mm. He said, if we could have got him, it'd have been perfect. He said, you've got him. Just like that. And he did it, and he, he never minded that Peter had the, mm. the was the lead. Was, he was the bounder, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that did that as a play as well. Mm. Was that originally a play, or was that a? Do you know? I can't remember. Right. Uh, it, it, if it wasn't, it became one. Uh, I said I always wrote a play first because that that way you got legs, you got mileage because you got a lot of material for one yeah. thing. If you write for two hours. And you go then look at the sitcom. Yeah, you've got about four shows. Yeah, uh, in, in comedy, comedic terms at least. Yeah. And also, but in a, in a play, there's a there's a, it is akin to a movie in the sense of it does have a beginning and a middle and an end. Absolutely. But I, I guess that discipline, the, the sitcom is 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 the middle, is, is the middle eighty minutes, is the middle 
hundred minutes. Yeah. Because and it probably helps knowing where the character is coming from. And knowing where some of the comedy and where they end up. And even in Rising Damp, where you basically took off the ending. Yeah. And we're never quite sure who Philip yeah, is or where he comes yeah, from. Quite, so yeah. you sort of you've got that. Um, yeah. You've got that start, so I guess the pilot is the setup for the play. Yeah, and then you, but you don't need the ending. It's a play that never ends. No, no. I mean, people don't want it to end. I mean, the legs, mileage. Mm. These are things. The first thing you ask, I'm sure you get mm. that when you come up with an idea. Will it run? You know, yeah. can you keep doing it? Yeah. Can you run? Can you? We always said 28 shows. Yeah, we always said. If you can do 28 shows with there, that yeah. becomes... Because less than my Faulty Towers was 12. Well, I think that has quite a legacy for that, because I think a lot of people now think that because Faulty Towers and the young ones only did 12, that that's the perfect number to do. It's not enough, really. Not for I, but not I agree, day. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm a... I, one of my favourite shows in the world is Seinfeld, and they made about 180 of those. I think they got brilliant. They've got writers. Yes. <laughs> yes, but, you know, I think if you... It is, but it's... When you're watching a movie, you're sort of thinking, that, you know, they're reinventing the wheel every time about are they going to like these characters in this situation? But when you've got a situation that you know you like with characters, you know you like, it's just the most wonderful thing, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the storylines will come if you've got a good subject mm. and a good character. They'll come. Yeah. Just in life. Yeah. Your life never is an, it's an unending situation, yeah. you know, a situation happening and new events coming into your life. Yeah. So, you know, I don't worry. I mean, just now and again, you think in a play, yeah, I don't, see, I've got this wonderful, I've got this wonderful mm. idea now uh, of a play. And it, you think, would it make a sitcom? Uh, not that I ever think these days, mm. but uh, I, I, I came to me, well, I've, been, I've written the play, but uh, it's about a vicar who um, has a heart transplant. Mm. And he's had a very straight, serious existence all his life till he's in his 40s almost. And then he has a heart transplant. And then out of nowhere comes this woman mm -hmm. who knows the, from whom the heart has come. Right. And she was the lover of this man. Right. And then he begins to follow the vicar about. Mm -hmm. And imagine that it works beautifully. Oh. And, then, and then she tells him this and... It begins to feel, and of course the 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 man mm. was a rogue, an absolute right. opposite person. Now he's thinking, if I don't act in some ways like him, this heart's going to reject me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it goes on. Now you see how that develops. Yeah, you yeah. See how that develops. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, do you have? I mean, are you at the situation whereby, um, if you did have an idea, you think, oh, this could be a sitcom. That you that you're sort they of would be interested you, ages and comes but in. you 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 can't even be bothered to begin the conversation or do you occasionally get people reaching out to you no no I don't have any interest work. at all and I wouldn't in truth submit that I would submit as yeah. a play and mm. have done and uh, I would fair enough I've got a, I've got a, a movie script written right and I would submit it for that yeah. because it's a good idea yeah. as I say. When you sit again, a good idea, recognize the good idea and stick with it. Yes, that's always true. Yeah, and that's a good idea. Yeah, but whether anybody else would think so. <laughs> well, the, the writer of the King's Speech, the, the, the movie didn't come out until he was in his seventies, although he wrote it considerably yeah. earlier than that. Um, they had to wait for the Queen Mother to die, I think, before they could oh, make yes. it. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, because yeah. um, they, I think, when they they wanted to make it with permission of uh, of, of Buckingham Palace, and I think they asked. I think they. Asked the Queen Mother because obviously they were talking about her husband, 
mm. and she said very sweetly, I really don't think this movie is a very good idea. She said that she said that she didn't think the movie was a good idea mm. and they didn't want to make it with her Really? But uh, did, with her alive and not in so Did they wait for yeah, her to die? Yeah. And so unfortunately she lived to be over hundred. <laughs> yeah, and so this poor so and so who'd written the well, movie. Well we do this with references, don't you? I mean I did references in the sitcoms about the royal family, not just in passing, mm. nothing nothing terrible. Yeah. And then you think, and politicians, and you think, yeah, but suppose they die in mid-time, you know. Yeah. It's always, you've got to be careful. Yes, occasionally uh, we've had references to someone and you think, oh, that's, uh, I think we, we had a, um, there was going to be a sniffer dog in the show I wrote about <coughs> bomb disposal, and we were going to call the dog Thatcher. <laughs> yeah, and but... we didn't in the end, because we just thought, oh, statistically, she is quite likely to die. Yeah, Around about the time yeah. of transmission. And she did. There's nothing, <laughs> do you know something, and I think you'll be agree with me, there's nothing dates quicker than topicality. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm never too topical. Yeah. You know, whenever I write anything, I don't date it. Yeah. It's always dangerous to give it a time, you know, even the car model yeah. or something like that, it's always tricky. Yeah. And actually, but it's, that's the, here's, and here's the thing, it's very to finish on that, and that's why it feels that Rising Damp, particularly, it doesn't date... To look at because it is it almost feels slightly retrospective at the time because it was quite a rundown, yeah, quite a, shabby. It wasn't dressing fashion. Yes, exactly. And the place felt like it had been sort of put up in the fifties and hadn't yeah. been touched since. Or yeah, quite. Than. Yeah. Um, but also, but what is most interesting about it is that when you when you watch other shows about race, it's the the attitudes do make you worry yeah I know but it's um, what is amazing with Rigsby and just the watching because I rewatched, I bought them on DVD uh, probably four or five years ago and I watched them again just thinking oh I, <laughs> I hope I hope they're still good and they were just wonderful yeah because his attitude because it's it's not and this is why I was never a particularly great fan of um, uh, Till Death Do Us Part yeah he was quite outrageous because because you had one Bigot drive through driving it? through, but yeah. the counterpoints of view were never interesting. No, so, I know what you mean. Yeah. So no, so his his daughter and his son-in-law didn't get much back at. They did well. The only stuff they did get back at him was just statement of fact or being sanctimonious. Yeah, quite. They yeah. were never funny. No, no and the I know what you mean. The beauty of the, yeah. the show was Rigsby is this sort of small-minded chap who is also a little bit um, intrigued. By yeah, right. the primitive it's, way yeah, of life right. as he sees it, yeah. And Philip is playing with him, yeah, absolutely. And the, so the, the power, and he is the landlord. It's so important that the audience don't miss it because now and again you've got an audience in, and they laugh at the wrong thing. Yes, you know, and you think, no, this is not what we're about. That's, yeah, and they get, and you wish they didn't. And now and again, I, I was interviewed on television a few months ago. And I, obviously, I knew where they were coming from. Mm. I only appeared for the money. Yeah, fair <laughs> but enough. But I knew where they were coming from. They were saying, in the 70s, you got away with murder, didn't you? You know, and that sort of thing. So I kept trying to say, look, it's about two loners mm. who don't like their lives and invent themselves. Len becomes a veteran and the Don becomes a prince. Yeah. And these are people, are loners themselves. Yeah. And that's, they're about real people. We're not about... The prejudice, the yeah. colour thing, that yeah. comes into... I didn't write a play. Imagine I was learning to write and I wasn't going to write a play about prejudice. Yeah. That was the last thing I wanted yeah. to do, or even the colour question. Yeah, yeah. All I wanted to do was to write two loners who met in, and performed. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. uh, because it was from an idea. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know... Well, I, it worked. Yeah, and it did. And I mean, just now and again, I know when people ring me, I think, hello... 
Yeah. They want to do something about race, or they want me yeah. as an example of prejudice that you can't get away with yeah. now. Yeah. And, and it's I, nonsense if you watch it. Yeah. There's, it's, it's beautiful. It yeah. still works. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad it does. Yeah. But, uh, no, it really does. It yeah. really does. And um, um, so... Thank you so much. We've we've done pretty well, I think. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, we can now go and have something to eat. Yes, uh, that's, uh, but thank yeah, you so well, much. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thank you, uh, Eric, as well. Uh, thanks, James. That's a really great uh, interview. I'm really pleased to have that uh, on our podcast. Uh, quick reminder, don't forget, 22nd of May, we've got Marks and Gran live uh, being interviewed by James. If you're in or around the London area, if you can get to that, that'd be great, at the Museum of Comedy in Bloomsbury. Uh, you can get hold of us on our Facebook page, Sitcom Geeks. Yes, also, I'm Sitcom Geek on Twitter and Dave you are I'm at Cohen Dave and also you can email us on sitcomgeeks at gmail.com if, you, if anything you think that we should be talking about on the podcast then do please let us know we have no way of knowing that unless yeah. you tell us apologies again if we haven't quite got round to reading your ten pages yet we are working our way through them we will be reading some more but at the moment please don't send us any more <laughs> please don't please don't send us Thank any more um, next week oh and then fortnight's time episode 48 we have an interview with the wonderful Paul Carenza so we can look forward to that in the meantime mm. thank you very much for listening bye bye bye